My name is Shirley Winch, and the name of my ranch is Rancho de Montecristo in Laredo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we see no change in the condition of the Texas wheat crop. About half the crop looks pretty good, the other half pretty bad. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A combination of too little moisture and too much wind has pretty much written the story for our winter wheat crop in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Grazing conditions for Texas livestock are much improved in various regions of the state this spring. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on those uh, conditions and the fact that the drought is still continuing in other regions as well, all on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hurd in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is cool but dry. Row crops are up and growing, and we'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report is out, and it shows no change in the condition of the Texas wheat crop. We have about half the crop looking pretty good and half not so good. Here's how the numbers shake out this week. 18% of the wheat rated good to excellent, 32% rated fair, and 48% rated poor to very poor. Some of that better wheat can be found in the Texas Rolling Plains, according to agronomist Kevin Meeks with Helena Agra Enterprises. We were getting pretty dry there for a good bit, but you know, like in my area and about Abilene up to Wichita Falls in my travels the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of stalker cattle out on some really good looking wheat, seen some wheat that, you know, doesn't have those cattle out there on it right now. And guys are, guys are going to try and push it. And if we can get these little half inch showers, like we've kind of been getting in my area, guys are going to try and push this wheat with the good price that we have. But the further west you go, the worse the wheat gets. Wes Beal is with Equity Exchange in the northeastern panhandle. There is not a lot of pretty wheat anywhere that I have been around in the last, made a pretty good loop around most of our area up here in this part of the country here in the last two weeks. 
And unless you're looking at something that's under a pivot, there's really not a lot of really good-looking wheat out there. You can see a little bit of greening up starting to happen, as will happen calendar-wise, day-length-wise, for that little wheat plant is saying, hey, days are getting longer. It's time for me to start to green up a little bit. But that little plant is also using somewhere around oh, six, seven, eight hundredths of an inch a day of moisture. And how many hundreds of an inch of moisture we had in the last 90 days to give it something to be able to drink off of. And with all of the wind in the panhandle this year, more and more of the wheat crop gets lost to plowing as farmers try to keep everything from blowing away. Go out and try to dig deep enough to one, find moisture, two, find clods, three, make some type of a variation in the surface to block the wind or disrupt the wind as it's coming across. So your goal the first time across is it may take you're giving up 25% of what you had out there for grain because you're working up 25% of the acres going across, just kind of making a loop back and forth, back and forth, perpendicular to the prevailing wind direction. But then those ridges fill in with dust. So you got to go do it again. Now you're down to 50% of your wheat crop left. And then those fill up with dust and you do it again. And it's just a continuing thing. If you look at several fields around you that may only have half or less of the wheat that was originally planted, still that could do anything because it hasn't been tilled up yet. Beal says there are a lot of pivots running right now in his area as farmers try to get some moisture in the ground before they plant spring crops. Now with more on the condition of the wheat crop on the Texas High Plains, here's James Hunt in Amarillo. In the Texas High Plains, the month of March can be pivotal for a struggling wheat crop. If we get some moisture, a stunning rebound may occur. But the reality is, as we prepare to close out this month, it's been very dry. And local agronomist Russell French says overall, it looks like a sad ending to what's been a tough season from the start. There's just a lot of areas that the wheat never even came up last fall that was so dry. You know, growers just dusted it in and it never emerged. And if there was some that did emerge with all the wind we've had this year, a lot of it's blown out. If you drive around the Texas Panhandle, you see a lot of emergency tillage that's been done on dry land wheat. You know, where they went out and tried to stop it from blowing, using a ripper or something to bring up some claws and stuff. And I mean, basically, there is very little dry land wheat in the area. However, there is some irrigated wheat that offers promise, especially if farmers do a good job of fertilizing their crops and fighting off weeds. Producers that have a good irrigated wheat crop, what they want to be looking at right now is seeing if they think they've got enough nitrogen on to raise that good crop. And uh, if there's any weed pressure out there, any winter annuals like your mustards and things like that, it's time to be including a herbicide application with your top grass. On another note, French believes for many wheat farmers who do have a crop to work with, grain production is not the goal this season. The market for wheat, as we've often talked about, is the silage market. We have a lot of livestock infrastructure here in the Texas Panhandle, both cattle and dairy. So a lot of the irrigated wheat that's being grown here will end up being cut for silage. And those prices are even a little bit better than cutting them for grain in some areas. Once again, that was Russell French with French Agronomics in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Springtime livestock grazing conditions are looking much better in the eastern half of the state. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Tracy Tomasic. He is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist in the studio here in Waco. And Tracy, uh, springtime is here and uh, the state of Texas certainly is looking better than it has been when it comes to 
livestock grazing for the spring for cattle, sheep and goats and horses. Uh, What are you hearing and seeing? We're coming out of a long and dry winter and uh, conditions certainly are much better all through a large part of the state, particularly when you get east and north of the Brazos River. Those counties, those farmers, those ranchers are in much better condition today than uh, than their neighbors to the west and to the south. They're, unfortunately, there are still some areas across Texas that are experiencing some excessive and extreme drought conditions, and uh, we sure hope that uh, in the near future uh, they get some beneficial rainfall across those areas. Uh, but for the most part, you're, you're going to see a lot of ranchers, whether they're grazing cattle, sheep or goats, horses, in much better conditions right now than we anticipated just only a few months ago. Yes, pastures are greening up in those locations that have received rain, so ranchers ought to uh, get off the supplemental feeding and get those uh, cattle and, and other livestock out there. You bring up a good point. Supplemental feed and supplemental hay has become even more short in supply across the state. There are still the emergency livestock assistance program through the Farm Service Agency. It's still available in 2023 for those that are qualify for the drought conditions in their county. Although we've got some that have gotten out of the need for it, there's still those that have that demand and and may need to utilize that program to ship feed and hay into their area. That is Tracy Tomasic. He is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is cool but dry right now. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Well, it's finally spring and temperatures have cooled somewhat. Two cold fronts have moved through Extreme South Texas since our last report. It's brought 40-degree mornings and highs only in the 60s. At the end of February, we were having daytime highs in the low 90s. Morning lows were staying in the mid to upper 60s, so quite a turnaround. The harvest of grapefruit and Valencia oranges continue. Blooming is occurring in lemons, limes, and oranges. Some grapefruit now starting to bloom as well. There's still a lot of fruit yet to be picked across the valley. Much of extreme South Texas is staying under a burn ban. The cold fronts have dried vegetation, and so any fire that starts could be a big one. Water usage is starting to pick back up. Irrigation demand is heavy, and the reservoirs are seeing a slow, steady decline. Falcon Reservoir now at 11.4% full. That's down about 2.5% over the past 30 days. Amistad is about 42.5%, and that's down about 3% over the last month. The National Weather Service is still calling for a dry, warm period from now all the way through the end of May, with most of South Texas staying toward extreme drought. Now, row crops are now planted, corn, milo, and cotton. The crop looks good, but the dryland crops are going to need to rain pretty soon. Onions and watermelons, well, they look good as well. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. If you fish in city, county, or state parks, you'll see some regulation changes this fall. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And physical exercise and training are vital to developing a horse for future training. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Physical exercise and training are vital to developing a horse for future training. Dr. Bob Judd explains. Various systems react differently as the heart and lungs make rapid adjustments to exercise, while the musculoskeletal system takes much longer to adapt. Because of this, it is important for trainers to give the horse time for the musculoskeletal system to adapt to prevent injury. Horses' long bones undergo growth in length and circumference through a process called bone modeling as the longitudinal growth occurs at the growth plate and when growth ceases, the growth plate closes. During growth, bone undergoes a significant amount of remodeling to adapt to exercise. Different types of exercise require different amounts of bone and by remodeling, the bone changes to adapt, but it does require some time. Racehorses started in race training at two years old had reduced risk of injuries compared to those starting at three and four years old. Lower intensity exercises, such as endurance training, have resulted in no change to the bone structure, so speed training is needed. But you have to be careful as injury can occur. It is important to make sure all of these horses in training are on a good and balanced nutritional program. Also, horses should be allowed a period of time to recover after intense exercise to give the horse's muscles and bones time to respond. Although anti-inflammatories can be used if the horse is painful after exercise, it is important to realize the pain is telling us we need to back off training for a period of time. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you fish in a city, county, or state park, you'll see some regulation changes coming this fall. Jessica Domo has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has approved several changes to freshwater fishing regulations. Several of the approved changes focus on simplifying and clarifying fishing regulations on community fishing lakes, or CFLs. Michael Tennant, Regulations and Policy Coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department explained the changes at the commission hearing before they were adopted. Staff recommends amending the CFL definition to clarify the water bodies to which CFL regulations apply. The proposed change would replace the term public park with the phrase <laughs> municipal, city, county, or state park to exclude federal parklands, which are not regulated by the department, and to exclude impoundments greater than 75 acres that are totally within the boundaries of state parks. The commission also removed special exceptions for blue and channel catfish and removed statewide daily bag possession and length limits for other species of fish to implement a daily bag limit of five all species combined with one black bass greater than 14 inches. Catch and release only restrictions would remain for five CFLs. We are hopeful that this new regulation will enhance the overall fishing experience for CFL anglers by reducing regulatory complexity 
The commission also approved clarification to pull-in-line restrictions. The proposed change would continue most existing pull-in-line restrictions and clarify restrictions for CFLs and 10 state park lakes that would not be defined as CFLs and add restrictions for Deputy Darren Goforth Park. The changes take effect September 1st. The outdoor annual will be updated to reflect those changes in mid-August. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle complex continued to climb higher on Wednesday while cotton and grains closed mixed. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market climbed once again for the fourth day in a row on Wednesday. We finished higher across the board with April live cattle up 87, 165.82. The June up 75, 159.65. The August up 72 cents, closing at 159.45. Feeder cattle market climbing higher as well on all except the nearby March. It's getting ready to go off the board. It was down 27 cents, 191.45. Everything else higher with April feeders up 97 cents, 198.20. The May contract up $1.72 to close at 202.52. Cash fed cattle market still quiet Wednesday. Feedlots raising their asking prices in reaction to the higher futures trade this week. Asking now 166 to 167. Boxed beef prices were mixed Wednesday. Choice up 46 cents, 281.09. Select down 79 cents at 269.57. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's travel to Abilene and talk to Henry Pickett. It's a Wednesday, so that means we had a Tuesday sale. Henry, how did it go? Oh, it ended up pretty good. We ended up with a total of 1,125 cattle with 251 cows. Looked like to me the Packard cow bull deal was steady to a couple of dollars higher. These wean calves, we had several deals of wean cattle, and they really did well. They had some pretty good condition on them, and they were probably steady to a couple of dollars higher than last week. Good. What was the shiniest consignment of the wing group that's had come through? Oh, we had a set of really nice five-weight steers that had a good condition to go back to the country and either graze out wheat or go on to grass, but they brought upwards of like 270. Good, good. On the cow side, did you have any keeper cows that stayed around? We had several four-year-olds pairs that bring 1650, and then we had some nice uh, bred cows that were in that 15, 14, 1500 range. Good. 
What's your weather forecast as far as moisture? Oh, I think here later in the week we've got a slight chance, but we've had some moisture around in places, and I think that's kind of helped the market, and it slowed our numbers down also a little bit. Good. Are your farmer guys thinking about being in the field cotton-wise here pretty quick? Looks like some of them might have already been in there from driving around. Yep. Yep, it won't be too long. They've got their seed in the barn waiting to plant, I guess, here in a month or two. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, or my cell number is 940-733-8208. Henry Pickett, thank you so very much. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures trade where lean hogs finished lower Wednesday. April hogs dropped 97 cents, 76.77. The May down $1.57 at 84.42. Class 3 milk was higher. March milk up a penny, 18.06 a hundredweight. With the April contract up 8 cents at 19.60 a hundred. The cotton market continued to climb on the old crop contract, but new crop was lower. We've seen a run of nearly seven cents to the upside this week, and we held those gains Wednesday with May contract up 24 cents, 82.76, July up 23, 83.20. But the new crop December, it did drop a bit, down three points to close at 83.25 cents. Same thing on the corn, old crop higher, new crop lower. Old crop corn getting a boost from continued export sales. USDA reporting another 8 million bushels of U.S. corn sold to China overnight. So that's helping those nearby contracts stay positive. The May contract up three and a quarter, 650 and a half. July up a penny at 630 and a half. But the new crop September dropped one and a quarter to close at 579 and a quarter. Wheat markets saw a lower trade in hard wheat higher on the soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat down two and a quarter, eight fifty-seven a bushel. July Chicago wheat up four and three quarters, seven sixteen and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas was up two cents at two seventeen. May West Texas crude down twenty-nine, seventy-two ninety-one a barrel. The financial markets were higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up three hundred twenty-nine points, thirty-two thousand seven twenty-four. The Nasdaq up 222 at 11,938. The S&P up 58 points at 4,030. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.